Hello everyone. This is the 14th episode of Bible Beyond, and today we're going to be learning about the prophet Daniel. Our passage comes from the very first chapter of the book of Daniel, and it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding and learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate, and of the wine that the king drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the Enochs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food, or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the Enochs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the Enochs. And the chief of the Enochs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So then you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the Enochs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So we listened to them in this manner and tested them for ten days. And at the end of the ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine that they were to drink, and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the Enochs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. In this passage, we can see that Daniel is put in a very difficult situation. He was an Israelite, so when the Babylonians came and conquered the nation, 
Daniel was pulled out of his home, out of his familiar society, and put into a new kingdom with a different culture. But what's interesting about this story is that Daniel navigates this incredibly difficult situation with wisdom and maturity and trust in God. And as we examine this passage, I think that we can find how Daniel managed to do this and how we can apply these tactics to our own lives. All this and more on Bible Beyond. So before we dive into everything that this chapter has to show us, I first want to give just a little bit of background information on the history of Israel up until this point. I think it's important to understand how the Israelites got here, why Daniel, an Israelite, is in the Babylonian Empire, in order to understand not only this chapter, but the chapters and the stories to come in the book of Daniel. So, with that in mind, uh, it's important to know that Israel was God's chosen people. They were descendants of a man named Abraham, who God made a covenant with, that through him, his eventual offspring would save the world. And we know that as this um, family progresses, as the generations and generations multiply, eventually they become the nation of Israel. And what God says to this nation, he says this in Exodus 19, 5 through 6. He says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So as we can see here, God promised the Israelites that if they obeyed his voice, if they kept his covenants and his laws, if they followed him, then they would be a holy nation. They would be a kingdom of priests, which sounds like an incredible role to play in God's creation. But remember, this is contingent on them following God on them trusting God uh, and, and obeying his word. And unfortunately, Israel, time and time again, they fail to do this. They reject God, and because of that, God sends the Babylonians to destroy their kingdom. Now, Daniel is an Israelite, and as we can see in the passage, the king commanded that all of the nobles, all of the royalty that some of them be picked to serve in the king's court. Basically, what he's trying to do is muster all of the wisdom and knowledge and professionalism of Israel and utilize it for his own kingdom. That's the goal here. And Daniel is one of those people. He's one of the youths without blemish, skillful in all knowledge and wisdom. And because of this, he's given training. Part of this training is... He's given a new name. He's 
learning a new language. He's supposed to read the literature of the Babylonians. In other words, he's basically taken out of the home and the society that he's known all his life, and he's inundated with a new culture. That is the Babylonian culture. Now, part of his training, part of what was prescribed to him to do as one of these uh, people to send the king's court, is he was supposed to eat the king's food. Now, this decree, this law, what the king wants Daniel to do, this law violates the law of God. Because the Israelites weren't supposed to eat unclean animals. And they weren't supposed to defile themselves with wine. That Those were some of the laws that God had put in place. So when the, king of Bab- the kingdom of Babylon comes and they say to Daniel that he has to eat this food, it creates a problem. Because he's told by men that he needs to eat this food, but by God, he's not supposed to defile himself in this way. So what he does is he sets, he puts in place a bit of a contest where they, the Israelites, they eat their own vegetables and water. They don't have to eat any of the king's food. And then at the end of this period of time where they're eating in their own Israelite way, at the end of that time, they're supposed to be examined. If it is the case that at the end of that period, Daniel is seen to be in better condition than those who ate the king's food, then certainly there is no reason for him to eat the king's food, thus he doesn't need to break God's law. And at the end of the ten days, we're told that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. And because of this, Daniel doesn't have to eat the king's food. He doesn't have to break God's law. That's the essence of the story, and that's where we are in Israelites, uh, in the Israelites' narrative at this point. Now, I think that if the average person, which would be us, if we were in Daniel's situation, we probably would not react with both the courage and maturity that Daniel uses. I think that if we were put into this situation, we would probably respond in one of two ways. First, we would probably be tempted to give up. It must have been very intimidating for Daniel to make this request not to eat the king's food. It certainly probably would have been easier just to say, do you know what? I mean, everything else has been taken away from me. What's the big deal if I have to eat the king's food? My language, people, culture, it's all been taken away by the Babylonians. What's it if just one more thing is taken away, that being the food that we eat? Really, what does it matter if we give up? He, he could have been tempted to do that. But John 14, 23 It says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. What this verse says, John 14, 23, this truth says that if anyone loves God, which Daniel certainly did, then they'll keep his commandments. 
then they'll obey and trust God, and God will be with them. We see that God gives Daniel favor in the sight of the Enix. God is with him. And Daniel 2, on the other side of the, the equation, he also, he tries to obey God's command. This is the truth that Daniel understands. He understands that he should love God and keep his commandments, and therefore he doesn't want to eat the food. He tries to find a way out. Now, that's probably kind of an obvious assumption. That's probably uh, kind of obvious that he was tempted to give up just to give in and eat the king's food. There's a secondary route that Daniel could have taken. Instead of giving up and refusing to eat the king's food, he could have landed on the other side of the spectrum and simply been angry. He could have rebelled against Babylon and said, no, I won't eat your food. I won't have this new name. I won't read your books. I won't speak your language. I won't accept any part of your culture. This is the other method that Daniel could have taken advantage of. And recently, I actually saw this play out in my own life. At the risk of hurting my ethos, at the risk of damaging my credibility, I was in detention a couple of weeks ago. I didn't do anything terrible, but I forgot my ID to school. And because of that, I had to come on a Saturday and go to detention. And while I was there, we were given two options. We could either work on homework or we could copy down uh, the text from one of the physics textbooks. And, you know, the vast majority of people, you know, the, we, um, we either did our homework or we uh, copied down the, the text from the physics textbook. But there was one kid who decided that he would refuse to do either of those things. He didn't have any homework to do. He didn't, ha he didn't bring any homework with him. But when given uh, the command, when given the instruction to copy down from the physics textbook, he refused to do so. And because of this, you know, the situation kind of escalated. Uh, you know, the teacher said that if he didn't copy from the physics textbook, then he would have to come back in for detention a second time. And to my amazement, when he was given that option of, you know, staying there and just submitting, copying from the textbook, instead of having to come back to detention for a second time, he actually chose, he got up and left, he chose to come back to detention for a second time. Now, there was no good logical reason for him to do this. He would have saved time and energy if he had just you know, obeyed if he had sat down and he had copied from the physics textbook. So why didn't he do it? Why is it that he would do that? Because if he would just submit to the teacher, then he wouldn't have to come back to detention for a second time. But instead, but instead he rebels and seemingly tries to cause as much trouble as possible for everyone. Why is it that this kid in detention gives in to his anger and just, you know, rebels, refuses to do anything, except anything that the teacher has given him. And I think that the reason why this kid acted in such a peculiar way is this. 
when we feel that we've been wronged by someone, it's incredibly easy to lose respect for everything about them. See, in this situation, the kid had been given detention by the school, and now the school was saying, also, you have to do, you have to copy work from this physics textbook. And because of this, the kid decided, uh, because he had been wronged, seemingly wronged by the school before, he didn't want to accept anything else that they handed out. And Daniel, I'm, I'm not, please understand, I'm not comparing my school to Babylon, but Daniel is in a similar situation. Because the Babylonians have done something, you know, with a negative impact to him. They've wiped out his nation. He's been, you know, inundated with this new, strange culture. And he could have also been tempted simply to reject everything about Babylon. He could have rejected their language, the fact that they renamed him as a person. He could have rejected all of that, including the king's food. But instead... He's, he's very wise and very mature. Romans 13.1 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. What Daniel realizes is that the authorities, as strange as they may be, have been put in place by God. We can see from the passage that it is God who sends the Babylonians to conquer Israel. It's because of God that these, you know, the chief of the Enix and the king are now uh, ordering him and telling him to do these things. And Daniel respects that. He doesn't just, uh, you know, reject everything that the Babylonians have instructed him to do. Instead, he's very wise. He's very mature. What he does is he uses God's law almost as a measuring stick of what to accept and what to reject. For instance, uh, they, in the uh, passage, the Babylonians give him a new name. Now, there's nothing in God's law that says you can't, that you can't have a Babylonian name. So Daniel accepts the new name. He doesn't fight it. He doesn't rebel. He accepts the new name. As strange as, as it may be, these authorities are put in place by God, and he accepts what has been given to him from these authorities, as long as it doesn't um, interfere with God's law. Another example, he's told that he needs to learn the language uh, of the Babylonians. Now again, there's nothing in God's law that says you can't speak uh, Babylonian, whatever language the Babylonians spoke. And because of this, Daniel accepts it. He's told that he has to read the literature of the Babylonians. Again, there's nothing that says in God's law that you can't read Babylonian books. So he uh, submits, he goes forth, and he obeys these commands. But there's a certain point where the commands he's given by the Babylonians interfere with God's law. And, 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 and this point in this story is when he's told to eat the food and drink the king's wine. And that's because these things were considered unclean by God's law. He wasn't supposed to eat and drink of them. 
and with this in mind, he resolves not to eat it. So at this point, we can see that Daniel understands two things. Number one, he's not supposed to give in. He's not supposed to reject God's law. He's supposed to love God and to obey his word. On the other hand, he's also supposed to respect authorities. So whatever doesn't contradict with God's law, he accepts. And with this in mind, uh, he goes to the chief of the Enochs and he asks not to defile himself with the king's food. Verse 8 says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the Enochs to allow him not to defile himself, and God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the Enochs. And the chief of the Enochs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So then you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the Enochs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you, and deal with your servants according to what you see. Daniel is presented with a situation where the only way that he can not eat of the king's food is if the water and vegetables that he eats are actually better for him. So he asks the chief of the Enochs just to consider for 10 days their food and the effects that it has on them. What's interesting here is that once Daniel understands what to reject and what to accept of the Babylonian culture, he then proceeds forth with complete confidence in God's command. He has to trust that the being who created both his body and the food, that his law is best, that his law should be obeyed and followed. And because of this, because he trusts God, he loves God, he obeys his commandments, and also because at the same time he has a respect for the authority that God put in place, because of this, he succeeds. He doesn't have to eat and defile himself of the king's food, but it also says in verse 18, at the end of this time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the Enochs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. We see that it's the Israelites who trusted God, who loved God, they're the ones who stand before the king. And as we'll see in later chapters, in later parts of Daniel's story, it is because he stands before the king. It's because he's in this position before the king that he's able to glorify God in ways that he probably never imagined before this. And with this story in mind, let's close in prayer.
Dear God, thank you for giving us the story of Daniel. About how he was taken out of his society and put into Babylonian culture. Because that's something that we as Christians can understand. That we can learn from as we live in a broken world. And just like Daniel, please give us both the love for you and the respect of authorities, the wisdom that Daniel had. We see how, you know, he navigated these incredibly complex situations with skillful awareness of the world around him. And we ask that you would give us the same ability. We ask that you you would put the love of you in our hearts so that we can be like Daniel. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been the 14th episode of Bible Beyond. A huge thank you for my grandfather for creating the great music you're listening to right now. And thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more, check back with us when we have a new episode up and ready. But until then, have a great day.